Uh, hello, everyone. Thank you so much uh, for joining us here in this uh, new series, new episode of the Indo-Pacific Vanguard uh, series of uh, the podcast interview at the Consortium of Indo-Pacific Researchers. Today, uh, we have uh, the, our guest, uh, Dr. Samir Patil, uh, and uh, the host is uh, our research intern, Amrisha Churasia. Uh, and now I would like to hand over it to the Amrisha for the further proceedings. Amrisha, over to you. Thank you so much, ma'am. And I'd like to welcome you, sir, on on uh, on a personal behalf. And giving a brief introduction about yourself, you are a senior fellow at Observatory Research Foundation, and you have worked with and you worked as a fellow for International Securities Program at Gateway House, which is a Mumbai-based foreign policy think tank. And uh, sir, you have also completed your PhD in international relations from JN University, Delhi. And uh, the, the thesis that you did was India's nuclear policy decision making. And you are also you are also an author of Security India in the Cyber Era. So, sir, I believe uh, the this would be the right time for us to discuss about the cybersecurity issues that India faces and uh, what have we done as a country, what have we done as individuals to take care of the issue. So uh, if it's if it's the right time, may I begin with the interview? Yes, please. Thank you so much for inviting me. Thank you so much, sir. So, so the topic of our uh, today's discussion will be growing concerns of cybersecurity for India in the realm of national and international security. So, so my first question is, uh, there are cyber threats which comes from the country and then which comes from the outside. So uh, one is done by the hackers and one is done by the terrorists. So, so I'd like to know what is the difference between these two? I think if you look at uh, in terms of the, the cyber uh, breaches or the data breaches or the cyber attacks committed by the hackers and the terrorists, I think the biggest biggest uh, uh, distinguishing factor is in terms of motivation. Uh, hackers do it uh, for the purpose of uh, profiteering from that particular sabotage or pro profiteering from that criminal activity. Uh, or sometimes just you know to find out what are the vulnerabilities in a particular computer network or a server but the terrorists do it with a definite purpose of uh, they have a political uh, motivation because they want to uh, in a sense they want to uh, attract the people's attention towards the cause that they are advocating so that would be the biggest uh, uh, distinguishing factor between the cyber attacks committed by the hackers and the cyber attacks committed by the by the terrorists uh, second thing is, is in terms of the state support uh, because we have seen because india lives in a, such a uh, uh, fragile neighborhood where we also have the uh, uh, live border disputes with two of our northern neighbors uh, the state support uh, of these actors to the hackers or to the terrorists also makes a huge uh, difference what we have seen so far is that again for instance, in the case of the anti-India terrorist groups, we have seen support coming in from Pakistan and those are the groups which have primarily focused in terms of the information warfare against India, in terms of propaganda, anti-India propaganda on the social media sites, in terms of capitalizing on the developments uh, within India and then util and utilizing them for their own uh, propaganda and publicity purposes. And we have seen the augmentation of that effort by the state support coming in from Pakistan to these uh, terrorist groups. And on the other hand, we have seen the hackers being supported by the uh, by the Chinese uh, government and repeatedly we have seen the breaches being committed by the 
state-sponsored hacking groups such as Red Panda or Red Eco targeting India's power sector, India's uh, vaccine uh, makers, uh, and most recently we saw uh, the suspicion that uh, the Chinese hackers were behind the ransomware attack uh, committed uh, against the All India Institute of Medical Sciences, the AIMS. So, so that kind of state support, uh, you know, is again, in a sense, uh, is, is again a critical factor when it comes to distinguishing the acts of the terrorists and the acts of the hackers. So considering the fact that uh, the, the the terrorist attacks that we see in our uh, in our cyber world is uh, basically supported basically state supported especially from the enemy countries so what has india been doing and uh, doing in in this field and do you think there's a loophole in indian cyber law that allows such attacks to happen so I would say you know that if you look at the cyber attacks, I would uh, I would I, I should actually qualify to qualify saying that you know, that I, we have not seen the kind of cyber attacks which the hackers commit against India. Those kind of cyber attacks coming from the terrorist groups. So so that is a fact that we have not seen the involvement of the terrorist groups against those kind of cyber attacks. But they yes, but they have been proficient in using the cyberspace to further their uh, further propaganda and also using the cyberspace to perpetuate uh, their activities and in response the the government of india has taken multiple steps uh, for instance ensuring that the such kind of extremist content uh, is or the terrorist uh, the content is uh, removed from the social media platforms we have seen for instance how uh, the government is uh, uh, putting in special effort to counter the radicalization coming in from this uh, from this uh, terrorist uh, propaganda and the terrorist uh, masterminds uh, so so that is so, so those are kind of steps that the government has taken uh, to counter uh, the the use the, the, the use of cyberspace for the propaganda purposes now going beyond that for instance we have also seen terrorist groups using the cyberspace uh, for multiple uh, activities such as for instance uh, surveilling of the target tricking of the target uh, doing some bit, bit of homework in terms of tactics uh, we also seen for instance of the international terrorist groups such as al-qaeda and the islamic state uh, utilizing the cyberspace to propagate the, the various kinds of terrorist tactics uh, for instance uh, uh, one of the uh, one of the franchises of the al-qaeda al-qaeda in the arabian peninsula had once brought out uh, in a magazine their own monthly magazine uh, 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 an article titled as you know how to make a bomb uh, from your mom's kitchen uh, so those kind of things you know the terrorist groups have been uh, doing in terms of using the cyberspace to propagate their tactics and obviously the government has also taken steps to ensure you know that, that such kind of material is not hosted on any of the social media platforms any of the websites and those uh, kind of uh, those kind of things so the government has uh, taken multiple steps to counter this but when it comes to the cyber security which is uh, uh, the overall or the broader concept of cyber security uh, we have for instance the national cyber security policy uh, in 2013 the government brought out the national cyber security policy uh, and this policy is now being recast as a national cyber security strategy. Uh, so, if you if you so, so you could ask a question about the loophole, I would say you know that the fact is that this strategy has been in the works for many years now, and the government has not been able to bring it in the public domain, even for the public feedback, even from for the comments from the from the relevant uh, stakeholders. And I think that is in a sense leaving a major gap in terms of the cyber security preparedness. Uh, for instance. Since so, uh, the, the 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 security agencies have not been able to agree uh, 
that who that who's who, which agency's primary responsibility it is to secure the cyberspace and that i think is continues to be one of the biggest uh, i won't say weaknesses but the biggest challenge when it comes to securing uh, india's uh, cyberspace so even though we have multiple agencies which look at one particular dimension of the cyberspace uh, for instance there is uh, an agency uh, called as national critical information infrastructure protection center which looks at all the critical infrastructure which operates uh, in india then we have for instance the rebit which is the reserve bank of india uh, entity for information technology so that looks at the the cyber security the digital payment uh, systems so we have multiple agencies which look at one particular dimension of the cyber security but uh, if you ask you know whose primary responsibility is to secure the cyberspace whether it is the military or whether it is any of the civilian agencies uh, that is something which the government agencies and security agencies have not been able to not been able to uh, agree upon so i would say that, that continues to be one of the biggest challenges when it comes to securing the cyberspace exactly so like you mentioned uh, the absence of a of a systematic a systematic wall between us and the hackers i think is the reason why uh, our society gets the uh, it's so sensitive uh, to to such attacks and uh, so uh, sir you mentioned uh, according to what you mentioned uh, hackers are somebody who exploits the loopholes in in the cyber world and terrorists are uh, the hacker terrorists are somebody who directly attacks on our security so we, when we consider security of uh, of our nation so the very first thing that comes to my mind is the defense forces and how the such attacks uh, affects our defense forces and uh, have been have they been doing something separately to uh, to counter them since since like you mentioned we do not have yet we do not have a, a a proper structure to protect each and every institution in the country from cyber attacks so as i mentioned in the beginning uh, uh, at the podcast you know that uh, when it comes to the security challenges we are facing two security challenges one as you mentioned the hackers and the other is of the terrorists and uh, Uh, and that in a sense the state support which comes from pakistan and china so when it comes to the cyber threat from china to the to the let's say to the indian military i think the biggest challenge is in terms of securing our securing the military infrastructure uh, so that would be the biggest challenge when it comes to the china based hackers and we have seen uh, because we have because we have seen the chinese hackers doing multiple breaches of the indian computer network there is always a fear you know that they also will be able to breach some of the sensitive military networks uh, uh, of the of the of the of the indian armed forces uh, second challenge i would say when it comes to the chinese based hackers and probably and also uh, to a certain extent from pakistan is the challenge of espionage cyber enabled espionage for instance some of the apps which uh, which are used uh, you know for for communication purposes uh, those can be you know uh, utilized for harvesting data from the armed forces uh, personnel and we have seen previously for instance how government of india had bans of the app Uh, because they were trying to collect the information and those apps for instance were popular amongst the indian armed forces uh, personnel so that is i think the biggest challenge of the espionage when it comes to the cyber threat from china and to a certain extent uh, pakistan vis-a-vis pakistan I, uh, as i said you know, the biggest challenge is in terms of the information warfare because what we have seen is that uh, wherever the indian army or the indian military is engaged in certain kind of uh, activity for instance let's say the indian military operations in kashmir uh, uh, those operations you know and those visuals of those operations are used as a sort of a tool for information warfare by the adversarial elements 
to put out a different narrative against uh, India in the in the in the cyberspace. And we have seen, for instance, how the counterinsurgency operations in Kashmir and some of the actions which the Indian military has taken have been perpetuated as, you know, for instance, the violations of the human rights by the adversarial terrorist uh, groups as well as by the adversarial actors into the cyberspace and then they're saying you know how the indian army is the violator of the human rights it doesn't care about the lives of the kashmiris and that kind of propaganda uh, that kind of propaganda is, is is perpetuated which in a sense seeks to dent the credibility of the army and therefore the reputation of the indian uh, democracy and uh, as i said you know in terms of pakistan also the challenge is of espionage and in terms of gathering the data because i think that is also coming up as uh, is emerging as as as, um, as as a major challenge. This reminds me of a quote that I read recently: uh, "Data is the new fuel." <laughs> so, like you mentioned, information warfare from from Pakistan is, is a major threat for us, and uh, military infrastructure uh, is getting threatened because of uh, uh, cyber warfare warfare from China. And then uh, I think uh, in a Keeping, uh, keeping the last part that you discussed in a very brief sentences, mass mind washing used, uh, done using social media. I think uh, this is also one of the things that you mentioned. So, sir, uh, uh, considering that we do have many institutions in India that uh, that look into these uh, problems, so can you can you name some of the institutions and the works that they have been doing for this? Okay, so going back to the the previous question also, where you asked about the institutions of the Indian military. Uh, so most recently, we have seen the formation of the Defense Cyber Agency, that uh, works as the primary cyber security agency uh, for the for the Indian military, which brings together all the three uh, services. Uh, as I mentioned, there is also the National Critical Information Infrastructure Protection Center (NCIIPC), which looks after the the, which looks after the critical uh, infrastructure and how to protect it uh, from the various kinds of viruses, malwares, as well as the ransomware uh, attacks. Then there is something called as the CERT India, Computer Emergency Response Team India, which is the nodal agency when it comes to uh, when it comes to protecting the Indian computer networks from any of the malware. So this is the agency which actually brings out uh, periodic updates on uh, the kind of viruses, the malware, and the uh, ransomware that it that it uh, uh, detects in the Indian uh, network and then puts out this uh, user advisories to not download a particular program or an app uh, because that may contain a certain kind of a uh, certain kind of a virus then as i mentioned there is also the reserve bank of india's information technology entity rebit which looks at the cyber security of the digital payment systems and also uh, uh, the computer emergency response team uh, you know has various sectoral uh, uh, certs so for instance for the power sector there is a separate cert uh, for the for the other some of the critical sectors there is also uh, their own dedicated uh, computer emergency response team. Then uh, a few years ago, India also activated a National Cyber Crime Coordination Center uh, within the Ministry of Home Affairs and that uh, serves as the nodal agency for any kind of cyber criminal related uh, matter uh, because uh, that uh, has a dedicated helpline also where you can report a cyber crime and therefore ensuring that that cyber crime gets uh, logged into the system and therefore the, the agencies 
can uh, investigate it. But these are all the national level agencies. And at the state level, we have also seen some of the state governments setting up their own uh, units. For instance, uh, Kerala uh, and Maharashtra have their own dedicated cyber units which look after uh, which look after the cyber security and the cyber space uh, from the point of view of the law enforcement question. Uh, So I believe India, uh, until a large extent, is uh, self-reliant in protecting themselves, and uh, and I believe they have been protecting, even though we do hear uh, news here and there of uh, such cyber attacks, which will surely in near future be reduced. So, sir, I'd also like to know uh, how does the world see us when it comes to uh, cyber security and freedom of internet, uh, extending the cyber security uh, uh, domain. So how does the world see India and has India been involved in helping any other country uh, with their cyberspace? So, uh, you know, uh, uh, the kind of steps that India has taken in the cyber security space has actually earned India, uh, you know, a, 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 a reputation because uh, the, in the, the International Telecom Union or the ITU, which is a specialized agency of the United Nations, uh, brings out a cyber security index, a global cyber security index every year. And in 2020, India actually jumped quite a few places uh, uh, from uh, number 21 to number four in the uh, in the in, in the uh, uh, cybersecurity rankings, and that just shows the kind of effort which has been taken by the policymakers. And yes, uh, uh, hundred percent guaranteeing cybersecurity is 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 com is completely uh, 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 impossible because one of the major challenges that we also face when it comes to cyberspace is the awareness of the internet users because that constitutes the biggest uh, you know uh, vulnerable. Uh, uh, the biggest vulnerability when it comes to securing the cyberspace because India has the world's second largest internet user base, but uh, the cybersecurity awareness of this of these users is is very poor because these are the first generation internet users, so they really don't have that much knowledge when it comes to you know, you know how to be safe in the cyberspace. Sometimes they are they end up becoming the victims of the phishing attack whereby certain kind of sensitive information is is extracted out of them and then they, then sometimes they click on the malware which allows that malware to be installed on the system and then therefore the data is is ferreted out from from their not just from their computer but also the because the computer is linked to a particular network so the information is inspirited out of that uh, network so so that remains a biggest challenge and therefore uh, taking up uh, achieving 100% cyber security is 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 next to uh, is next to impossible so india has taken steps to to you know secure its cyberspace and you know that there is a global recognition but india is also keen to share whatever experience that it has when it comes to this when it comes to cyber security and cyber criminal investigation so uh, india's flagship uh, uh, overseas assistance program the itec uh, the, the the indian technology economic and technology cooperation program itec you know, under that, India has been uh, training uh, some of the officials of the uh, of, uh, officials coming into the African countries and Southeast Asian countries in various kinds of cybersecurity practices at various academic institutions in, in India. Uh, second thing that India has done is India is also augmenting its own cyber forensics capacity and India has also again you know, uh, uh, demonstrated its willingness to actually share that cyber forensic capability with some of the like-minded, uh, with some of the like-minded partners, and India is also part of some of the global initiatives when it comes to cybersecurity. Uh, so, for instance, 
the United States in 2021 formed uh, something called known as a counter ransomware initiative because it was responding to this uh, rapid surge of the ransomware attacks on the US computer networks as well as on the European uh, computer networks and India became uh, one of the partners in that particular program and under that India has been you know exchanging information on what kind of ransomware attacks are taking place they're also simulating cyber security exercises so that they can find out you know what are the vulnerabilities of their computer networks when it comes to the ransomware attacks so so there is also you know that particular effort in terms of the international cooperation to augment the to augment the cyber security but of course you know uh, just as for instance in the field of terrorism the security agencies have to be successful 100 percent but the terrorists have to be successful only once uh, and that also plays out in the cyberspace that despite all the efforts taken by the security agencies Sometimes, you know, sometimes even 1% success of the, of the cyber support tiers can really undo uh, all their efforts. Yes, sir, absolutely. You rightly mentioned that uh, we have to be successful each and every time and the other side needs to be successful just once. So, uh, so you discussed that uh, how India has been emerging as a global powerhouse when it comes to cyberspace, and India was one of the one of the first uh, supporters of free internet, and uh, was one of the first countries that uh, recognized the issues that comes with free internet. And you also mentioned uh, the major issue that is awareness amongst the users, considering that yes, we are um, uh, one of the second largest country that uses internet. And uh, most of them, most of them are uh, first-generation internet users, which makes us very vulnerable to, to such attacks. And uh, India has been uh, collaborating with countries like uh, USA, Europe, Africa in, in cybersecurity exercises. And uh, I believe such such exercises and such awareness and such talks around this, this area will uh, one day or the other in the near future will... Uh, uh, compel the government to have a proper structure that will also uh, help these institutes uh, that we have uh, uh, succeed in, in the targets that they have when it comes to cybersecurity in, in, the, in the internet, in, in the internet domain. So, so with this question, we have come to the end of the interview. And uh, on, my, on my personal behalf, I would like to thank you for accepting and sharing some of the most important points and, uh, and enlightening us with your knowledge. Thanks a lot, sir. Thank you so much for inviting me. Thank you.